Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to This is Civity, the Civity radio show. My name is Gina Valeria, and I am here today with Malka Capel and Palma Strand, who will be joining us in just a moment. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Civity and what it is, um, and then they're going to elaborate. We live in a world right now where people are not talking to each other, and we want them to be talking more uh, civilly to each other and with more focus on finding solutions, working together and compromising. So Palma and Malka have created an amazing organization called Civity, and this is Civity Radio Show. We'll focus on that. Malka, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about Civity and what it means to you. Um, hi, Gina. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, what Civity means to me is I, I've been um, a community organizer for 30 years and uh, have been involved in a lot of processes trying to get people to work together. Uh, and uh, I find that, you know, we can put to pe- people together in a room, we can uh, give them a plan, but it really uh, it works best when people respect each other and uh, have empathy for each other. They work better together on a particular project and they work better together uh, on other projects uh, because they have a relationship. So civity is, is it describes what it, what it looks like when people kind of work with people better, particularly people who are different from them and, uh, and do wonderful things in their community. Wonderful, and Palma, Palma joins us uh, from Creighton University and Palma, why don't you tell us a little bit about what civity means to you? Hi, Gina. Thanks for uh, having me on as well. Um, Civity, I have a little bit of a different background from Malka, and I started, I came to this by working actually as a parent in my kids' schools in uh, Arlington, Virginia, and kind of got into issues of kind of civic engagement and how people work together and how very different people work together and also how different people work together when there are real issues of inequity involved. And one of the things that I found is that particularly when you're talking about people talking with people who are of different races or have different, you know, kind of different economic backgrounds or other kinds of different, um, you know, where they come from, that even though people are kind of like, who is that person? They're very different from me. That somehow if you actually can kind of tell personal stories to each other, you start to realize this is another person and they ended up in a really different place and they came from a really different place, but they're also a real person and I kind of see them differently. And that's kind of the foundation for starting to bridge some of these differences that we have. I'm going to play a clip from a TED Talk called basically I Want to Take You to Lunch by Elizabeth Lesser. And in it, she talks about her plan to take people she disagrees with to lunch. All of our cultures are demonizing the other by the voice we're giving to the most divisive among us. Listen to these titles of some of the best-selling books from both sides of the political divide here in the US. Liberalism is a mental disorder. Rush Limbaugh is a big fat idiot. 
pinheads and patriots arguing with idiots. They're supposedly tongue-in-cheek, but they're actually dangerous. Now, here's a title that may sound familiar, but whose author may surprise you. Four and a half years of struggle against lies, stupidity, and, and cowardice. Who wrote that? That was Adolf Hitler's first title for Mein Kampf, My Struggle, the book that launched the Nazi party. The worst eras in human history, whether in Cambodia or Germany or Rwanda, they start like this with negative otherizing, and then they morph into violent extremism. This is why I'm launching a new initiative, and um, it's, it's to help all of us, myself included, to counteract the tendency to otherize. And I realize we're all busy people, so don't worry, you can do this on a lunch break. I'm calling my initiative, Take the Other to Lunch. If you are a uh, Republican, you can take a Democrat to lunch. Or if you're uh, a Democrat, think of it as taking a Republican to lunch. Now, if the idea of taking any of these people to lunch makes you lose your appetite, uh, I suggest you start more local, because there is no shortage of the other right in your own neighborhood. Anyone whose lifestyle may frighten you or whose point of view makes smoke come out of your ears. So, who should you invite to lunch? Next time you catch yourself in the act of otherizing, that'll be your clue. So that was Elizabeth Lesser on TED Talk talking about the other and taking the other to lunch. So um, I'd love to ask you both about this. Uh, Malka, I see you taking notes. <laughs> what, do you, <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'm just taking notes because I love the way she talks about it. Uh, I, you know, it's the demonizing the other is exactly what we're talking about. And it, and it can be across a political divide or it can be across a divide of race or class or neighborhood or sector in, in, in some cases. Uh, and uh, she's right, there is no shortage of the other. Um, not all, and by uh, taking the other to lunch, as she says, or we say have a con one hour conversation with someone that you think is of as, as the other, that not only helps uh, you know, kind of communities come together and move forward, but they, in many cases, the other or fear of the other is really the root of a lot of our society's problems. And uh, you know, whether you're talking about education reform or criminal justice reform or economic development, uh, fear of the other is really stopping us from moving forward on those issues. Yeah, absolutely. I um, forgive me, my microphone here. Um, I noticed this, it doesn't have to be about Mein Kampf and Hitler and whether we're the next, that's not really what it's about. It's about these really tangible problems happening right now that we can address. So, Palma, what do you think? Well, there, one of the things I really liked about what she said was that, you know, this isn't a huge thing in the sense of, you know, you don't have to set aside a week to do this. This is something that you can do in your everyday life. It's, it's about paying attention. And sometimes the other is not somebody that you've been demonizing. It's somebody that maybe you just haven't been paying a lot of attention to that kind of isn't part of your social 
kind of awareness or circle. And the the taking somebody to lunch or the civity conversations that, that we're focusing on, which are just one-hour conversations, are something that you can do, you know, you can invite somebody out for coffee and say, you know, I really just want to have a conversation. That's something that each and every one of us can do uh, that can really make a difference because, you know, when when we do that, things ripple out, and that's really what we're talking about. So when you say have a conversation, that's still scary to me. You know, oh my gosh, calls. What do I say to this person? How do I even? Oh my gosh, what if they laugh in my face? I, you know, or or how do I even talk to them? What if I say something inappropriate? What if I don't know what to say? I mean, so how do you take that first step, uh, Palma? Well, you are absolutely right. That can be kind of scary. And, you know, one of the things about doing this is that it is a little bit risky. Um, but, you know, we think people can, if they're, if they're kind of aware of what they're doing, and, you know, we do offer a training for how people can do this, that, that people can say, okay, so this is a risk, but it's something that I can handle because this is important to me. And, and actually one of the things that we've found is that when people do that and when people are really genuine about saying, I really want to hear you. I really want to listen to your story. People really are very receptive. People, it's, it's not as, it, it's scary kind of to take that first step, but it's, it's actually not scary once you kind of get in the middle of it. So it seems as if even though the conversation locally, statewide, nationally has been a bit hijacked by, by even not even extreme views, but very staunch views that maybe we're all sort of feeling a little bit like we just want to talk. Malka? Yeah, I think that, I think that's the key too. It's, 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 uh, there are lots of opposing views that are floating around out there or hitting each other out there. And um, what we talk about uh, in our civity conversations is really, it's not so much about talking through issues. You know, I'll tell you what I think about this and you tell me what you think about this and then we'll kind of try to figure it out or hammer it out or maybe even find common ground. There's nothing wrong with finding common ground, but what we're talking about is really connecting at a different level, not so much as on a head-to-head level, but more heart to heart, just like, you know, I'm a person, you're a person. I did not think of you as being in my world, but we are in the same world. That's interesting that um, the woman we just listened to, Elizabeth Lesser, said she took a woman to lunch and they actually, they themselves developed ground rules. And one of them was, we're not going to change each other's minds and we're not going <laughs> to, and we're not going to jump in and defend or um, try to, try to give reasons for, it. we're just going to listen. And so all they really ended up talking about was, hey, why does your side call my side these names and the woman's like really wait your side calls mine and then they realize wait I don't really know anybody like this other that they're describing (laughs) so she that's all they and that's all they left with at the lunch but she said it was so great because they built a trust that they could then go from um so Palma have you had this experience I have had this experience Tell and me about it. it is it is scary um and you know you you pick somebody who you think okay so they're different uh so for example I'm white you know I might pick somebody who's who's black or latino and um you know I say can we you know can we just meet up for coffee and um sometimes in a more structured civity conversation we would actually talk about you know, kind of racial differences and I might float that um, but what I've found is that is that once you kind of take that step, people generally 
are very receptive to being approached in a just kind of a human way. Like, I just kind of want to know you. And, you know, even where there might have been a little bit of distrust, like, well, you're kind of different from, you know, you're kind of different from me or, you know, racially different or whatever, that, that somehow when you just say, you know, well, let's just kind of hear each other's stories, that there really is a way that you really connect at um, kind of an, in a way that is just very human. It's It's not really about these other things, these othernesses that are kind of floating around. Yeah. What did you, uh, how did that relationship end up evolving? Um, I'm trying to think, um, because I'm trying to think of a particular one that I, um, you know, one of the things about the civity conversations is that once you do, once you have this mindset, you you start to kind of take that approach with lots of different people. So, for example, when I was uh, I started this back when I was in, working in the schools, and I was the chair of one of one of my kids' schools PTA, and there was a okay, I'll think of a particular woman who was very very active. She was African American, and I said, um, you know, I just I don't really quite know where you're coming from. So we worked together after a couple of conversations. We worked together really well on some really important issues in the school for a couple of years. Do I keep in touch with her now? No. But, uh, you know, I hear about her in the community, and I know that she's, you know, still out there doing the work that she's doing. And, you know, I expect she kind of thinks the same about me. And it doesn't have to be adult to adult. It's interesting. I was having this kind of conversation with some uh, colleagues, and we're also uh, doing a doctorate program in education. And so some of the things we're discussing are very similar. And this guy told his wife about it, and then she went to school that week and, and happens to work in a school that's predominantly Caucasian. And she says there are about, they're about two black kids in the school. And, and so she thought to herself, you know, they must be so uncomfortable and they must feel that they have to carry the weight of... She didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so, so she actually went to one of the kids in her class and told her and told the girl, look... I don't know how you feel or if you feel that way, but I want you to know that I recognize you're the only person. And if there's anything you need to tell me, I want to know because I want to make your experience good here. And she said that the girl almost cried because she was so appreciative, no teacher. And that's a scary thing. Like that's something I might not feel brave enough to say because I don't want to offend, but it turns out it was just the best thing this girl could hear because no one had ever done it. It's, it's, I mean, you know, on that topic, Gina, it's, I've had an experience that's a little bit different from a civity conversation, but, but again, working in community issues where, you know, there's an issue that, that's racial, that's on the table. I might be at a meeting with, um, you know, with a, a mixed racially group, and, and I would say something like, okay, so I'm a white person. I don't really quite see it the same way. Um, my experience is really different. I really just kind of want to hear how this looks, you know, to different people. And it's amazing how sometimes just naming it kind of demystifies. It's like, okay, so now we name it. We all know it's there. Now we can kind of start, kind of start reaching across that difference. Absolutely. So I want to hear from Malka as well. We're going to take a quick break. I'm talking with Palma Strand and Malka Kapel from Civity at the This Is Civity radio show here on KSFS. We'll be back in just a moment. Remember when you saw the homeless woman in the snow and you almost volunteered to work in a soup kitchen? Or when you saw the news report about wounded soldiers and you almost visited the veterans hospital? Or when you almost brought dinner to your neighbor with AIDS? Remember all those times you almost helped? You meant to, but somehow you forgot. You were too busy, and it slipped your mind. Well, it's only human, this almost giving. 
But if you almost gave, there's a good chance everybody else almost gave, too. Which means it's quite possible there was no soup kitchen at all. That no one visited those vets. And that your neighbor never got that hot meal. Because almost giving is the same as not giving at all. Don't almost give. Give. To find out how, visit our website at don'talmostgive.org. Welcome back to This is Civity Radio Show. This is Gina Valeria here on KSFS Radio, and I am with Palma Strand and Malka Capel of the founders of Civity. We were talking about actual conversations that Palma and Malka have initiated or been involved with and what happened with those conversations. So I'd like to talk to Malka now. Tell me a little bit about your experience. It's interesting. I think for me, most of my uh, conversations with the other have been across a political divide. And uh, I, uh, uh, as I said before, when, when we talked, and I've been, you know, I, kind of work, I work on a lot of projects with people of different political persuasions, uh, and uh, I've found that... Uh, it, again, it's, it's uh, when uh, I really have the opportunity to learn about what makes them tick and to share about what makes me tick, it happens in kind of the quiet times. And in, 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 in when, when, again, when we're not talking through issues, but when we're hanging out together and we get a chance to exchange uh, personal stories. And that's uh, the civity conversations that we're talking about. Are, they're, they're kind of an intentional, making that intentional time to hang and exchange stories. And the, the civity conversations are really, they're not about erasing the otherness. Um, it, it, although the first part of the conversation, we you know we encourage people to find uh, the things that they have in common with the people that they're they're conversing with, but uh, the other part of it is is understanding wh- why you're different from someone else, why they're different from you, and and acknowledging that and and you know appreciating it because it's first of all we can never erase our differences, but we really shouldn't. It's really the diversity in our culture that that makes it work well. Yeah, absolutely. So. W- w- when you're having these conversations, uh, do you find, uh, can you think of a specific sort of pathway you took that was really rewarding? Um, well, let's see. It's uh, like like Palma. I've I've uh, I, I've had the kind of the more formal conversations a long time ago. Now I'm training others to do them, uh, and it, and it's been kind of more for me, kind of more embedded in my mindset. Um, but uh, when I ha- when I am being intentional about it, uh, the path that I take is to I you know is to um, I start by sharing a little bit about myself, not too much. Um, because I don't want to uh, take up all the space, but kind of to model um, sharing about myself. And I find that the hard part for me, probably for most people, is that when I, I have to be really real when I'm doing it. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not a script. I have to really think about what, you know, what I want to share and, what, and, and say it and mean it. Uh, and then that opens up the space for the other person to do that. And I usually start by, you know, saying, tell me a little bit about yourself or, you know, and, and then really listening. Wonderful. All right, so let's move on to Civity's actual work right now. I know you, uh, Civity is in the process of a pilot project with Silicon Valley and San Francisco uh, leaders. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, where that is, what's happening, and what you hope for. Uh, Malka, why don't you start, and then, Palma, I'm going to come to you in a second. Sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, we've spent the last year or so uh, um, 
um, uh, developing and honing uh, our training. We now have a training uh, for people to learn how to do a, a civity conversation, and actually uh, and part of the training is doing it, doing four civity conversations and talking about it. Um, so our next step is how does this actually work in communities? And, and as you said, we are working, uh, we are planning to kick it off in Silicon Valley in San Francisco uh, to address the divide that we're all concerned about here, which is the divide between the haves and the have-nots, or however, however you want to talk about it. Um, so uh, our, our plan is uh, to work with uh, partners in the community, because the way to really seed this work is to work with organizations or companies or cities that are interested in doing stuff to address this divide, and uh, asking them to kind of give us uh, you know, 10 leaders uh, that they're working with who want to learn how to do this. Have work with them in cohorts and together to do it. We'll probably um, get about 150 to 250 leaders, we think, in the region and uh, work with them over the course of a year uh, to train them to do civity conversations and to have them do them. When you say leaders, uh, tell me what that means exactly. Well, it, 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 yeah, it's a, it's, it can mean a lot of things. And what we mean is we, want, we mean people who are or who want to uh, do something civically, do something in their community. And uh, the whole, uh, an important part of the way we are, the, the civity uh, initiative was organized and thought about is that uh, we have, um, people can make a difference as individuals. That is true, that's important. But we also acknowledge that people sit in networks in, uh, in their community. Uh, uh, and that means that individual change can travel across those networks. Um, you know, there are second and third and fourth degree effects that are really important. So what we're trying to do in this pilot in Silicon Valley in San Francisco is to find people who are in networks, whether they're networks at work or networks in the community or personal networks or all three, uh, and give them this skill, support this skill, so that they can change not only the way they do things, but change the people in their networks. Okay, when, and when you say networks, I'm, I, because KSFS Radio is here at San Francisco State University, uh, I know that sometimes students may feel, or others, other have-nots may feel, oh, something's being imposed on me, and someone else is talking about it, and now you're just letting me in on it kind of at the end. So I'm wondering, is it just leaders who, right now it sounds like it's just active leaders who are um, people who have said, hey, hey, yeah, I want to do this, rather than uh, an outreach. Are there plans to bring, or are you already bringing a diverse set of quote leaders so, in? No, sorry. Let, let, yeah, I, I should have been more clear. Um, so, if, for instance, if, if San Francisco State or a group at San Francisco State uh, wants to gather ten students who want to do things in their community, uh, whether they're doing them or, or, or whether they want to do them in the future, that that is what we're talking about because they're they they already have, you know. First of all, they're in a community, which is which is a very powerful thing. Uh, what we and uh, and if you're in a community, you're a leader, whether you like it or not. And so, what we're looking for are people who 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 have have this interest, have this inclination. Uh, they already have their networks. So, uh, yes, Palma, how do you see civity work pushing through networks, and how do you see civity work touching the people it needs to touch? 
Well, the way, the way as Marco was saying, um, you know, leaders are not necessarily people with titles or, you know, people with um, positions. You know, leaders, as, as we're kind of, uh, because of our network approach, leaders are people who are, who are connected to other people. And, of course, all of us are connected to other people. But, you know, leaders are kind of maybe more connected to other people. It's kind of or more interested in being connected to other people. And so, you know, part of the way that, that the, the research, and not to kind of go into it too much, but the, the research kind of shows that, that when things happen in people's social networks, and we're not just talking about Facebook or LinkedIn or the electronic social networks, we're talking about kind of the social networks that people, you know, the, the, the networks that you, the, of the people that you know, you know, whether, as Malka said, it's your, your work or where you, the people you go to school with or the people that are in your neighborhood, those are all people in your actual social network. They're people that you're connected with um, by the virtue of either strong or kind of more casual relationships that you have. And when, when somebody, and, and again, this is something that the research has shown, when, when, when you take on an action or an attitude in your network, the people that you're connected to are affected by that. So, you know, there are things like cigarette smoking that are maybe not so good and things that are like voting that are, you know, more admirable, things that we want to encourage. That when, when people, like when one person votes and, you know, has that little sticker and says, I vote, that actually statistically influences other people that they know to say, oh, you know, so-and-so voted. Maybe I should vote, too. So that's the way these things ripple out, so that if we encourage people to sort of say, wait a minute, you know, I'm going to actually be interested in connecting with people who are different, who I might think of as the other, but maybe I'm going to move from thinking of them as the other to somebody who's just different from me, um, that, that that attitude, just like any other attitude, can kind of ripple out through the, the networks, um, you know, to the people we know and maybe even to the people that, that they know. That's so interesting. Uh, what you just said and a couple of things you've said, it, it keeps bringing to mind a lot of the stories that we see in the Bay Area right now um, about gentrification and how the locals that have been there are so frustrated and the two sides aren't talking to each other. Uh, there was a really fun, uh, fun actually, article on... Uh, um, somebody developed an app to that, that you can use to have someone pick up and do your laundry. And someone else commented and said, you know, that's, you're solving problems for 22 year old single guys. Like you're not solving problems of the world, but for that, I want that app. <laughs> See, it's not just for the 22 year old single guy. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, how do you, you know, so the idea of, you know, if you can solve problems and you are a leader and have a network and have the ability to get this conversation started so that, um, hey, a 22-year-old single guy developing the laundry app, hey, I never thought about an app to get people to vote. You know, that's kind of awesome. I can focus on that. So even just um, having it occur to people that, you know, as you say, not the other, but just the, oh, I, I, it didn't even occur to me, and now I'm talking to you, and it occurs to me, and I'm so excited to try to find a way to make this happen. And I think some of the gentrification conversations um, are going similarly. They're happening at a bunch of different levels. And, and, and what's interesting, I think, about these conversations, and it's true for most policy change, is that there, there are policy change conversations that are happening. Um, but uh, again, why we started uh, this in the first place, that if people don't really want to do something uh, about the people that they consider the other, 
uh, if they don't want to help, if they don't see them as being part, living in the same community, that hangs up even, uh, even a, even a uh, kind of a formal intellectual policy change conversation. Uh, it's amazing how you think you disagree because you disagree about the issue, but really um, what people are disagreeing about is who's in their camp. Right, exactly. Sometimes we, we all want to solve some problem. We're just coming at it from such a different place that we can't find our way to seeing that the other person wants to solve that problem too. Right. Um, well, and also, also, let me just jump in here, Jean. I mean, I think a lot of times once you get past that kind of otherness, that like, wait a minute, I, you know, here's a different perspective, a lot of times some of the most creative, not just pro problem identification, but kind of problem solutions come out of somebody having one point of view and being exposed to a really different point of view. And, and there's a synergy there sometimes. It's like, oh, I never thought, like you said, I never thought of that before. And some of the most creative things come out of different things kind of coming together and and, you know, reacting not in a negative way, but in a really kind of fun and innovative way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's what's so exciting about this is that it's not about the outcome. It's about just making that connection that we somehow seem to have lost. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Uh, you know, we say that, you know, the, these conversations, they are actions. Uh, they're not just talking. Uh, and that if you, if you do, if you have a conversation like this with some, someone, you are changing yourself and you're changing them and you're changing a lot of other people that you know and that's really that's powerful yeah and palma you i'm sorry you're about to jump in there well no it's just i'm just building on what Malka just said i mean we are talking about relationships and um and when you're talking about relationships a conversation is a really important piece of a relationship so that so that if you are saying well what we're really talking about here is kind of you know adding a, a little bit of a different uh, thread to a relationship that might be kind of there but but pretty weak or maybe even a little bit negative that that a conversation is actually an action because it transforms or changes that relationship so it's like you know people say oh well it's just a conversation that's just talking it's like well when you know people engage in relationships in large part through talking. I mean, doing for doing things, but 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 a lot of it is talking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, on that note, um, th we have an, uh, a video on the Civity website, which is civity.org, and it's called Sometimes You're a Caterpillar. I actually have that three-minute audio here, and because we're talking, it's a great way to make clear and sort of take it out of the human way of looking at things and, and make plain this, this issue that we're talking about. So here goes. In the garden, there's a caterpillar and a snail, and they're basically best friends. They hang out 24-7, they do dinner, movie nights, crafts, oh, and they're like really into cosplay on top of like whatever else caterpillars and snails do, like eat leaves or something. Anyways, one day they're on their way to a party that's right outside the garden, and they have to go through the fence to get there. So the caterpillar goes right through, but the snail is stuck. Her shell is just too big, and it won't fit under the wire, so she's like, crap, I can't get through. Maybe like can you lift up the wire or maybe we can build a little bridge or something and the caterpillar's like dude just go under but she can't there's just no way that the shell is gonna fit and the caterpillar's like go under come on we're gonna be late and i'm trying to hook up with that super cute ladybug 
but it's not happening. The shell will not fit under the wire. And at this point, Snail's getting kind of frustrated because it's not like she doesn't want to go to the party. But for some reason, Caterpillar just isn't getting it. Yeah, it's not that easy for me. I just can't crawl under the vents like you can. So I would really appreciate your help here. Maybe we can like go a different way or the and this just like sets the Caterpillar off. What the heck? Just because I can crawl under stuff doesn't mean that I have it easy. Do you even know what it's like to have 16 feet? You don't, because finding shoes is a complete nightmare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying you have it easy. I'm just saying I can't go under the fence because of my shell. That's it. I have a shell and you don't. And there's some stuff that's easier for you that's harder for me. Just like, I don't know, Jack about finding shoes because I don't have feet. Caterpillar thinks about this for a second and realizes the snail is right. I mean, he's never had to think about shells or slimy trails, and that's a privilege that the snail has never had because she has to think about that stuff all the time. That's part of being a snail. And it's kind of like that for everyone, right? I mean, we all have our own struggles and challenges, and some of them are small, and some of them are huge and really unfair and beyond our control. And a lot of the time, it can be hard to see what someone else deals with because you've never been in their shoes or shell. Like, maybe you're gay or trans, have a disability or different religion, or of course the obvious one, you're a member of a different race. I don't know what it's like to be you, and you don't know what it's like to be me. So it's really important to stop and try and see the other side so we can help each other overcome those obstacles together. It's like sometimes you're the snail and sometimes you're the caterpillar. Oh yeah, okay, so then the snail and the caterpillar figured out that if they went to the other side of the garden, they could get through a little break in the fence. And while it took a little longer to get to the party, they did the trip together, which is what made it so great. So they got to the party, the caterpillar hooked up with the ladybug, snail taught everyone how to do the wobble, and the party was everything. The end. This video was illustrated by the very talented and lovely Cat Black and written and narrated by yours truly, Cheska Lee. Please check out Cat's channel and don't forget to subscribe. Bye! So that is a pretty fun little, uh, it's actually an animation on YouTube called Sometimes You're a Caterpillar, written by Cheska Lee, anim animated. Of course, you didn't get to see the animation here by Cat Black. And it really uh, takes some of the issues that are so political and sensitive to us and puts them in the context of you know, bugs. So, you know, Palma, you found this. And, uh, and, and so talk a little bit about how do you think it relates to civity? So actually my daughter, I have to give my, my daughter credit. She, she sent it to me originally. And I, I thought, you know, I'm always interested in this question of privilege, which is to me in large part just about not even being aware that you need to pay attention to other people. And that, you know, you kind of sometimes some of us, the world is kind of set up in ways that kind of make our lives easier. And, and it's kind of not set up for other people. And, and I think that that, you know, that, that kind of just awareness is so related to civity because a large part of what civity is about is saying, okay, so maybe people's experience is really different and maybe the world is set up for me in some ways and maybe the world is not set up for me in some ways. And, and if I can kind of listen to other people's experiences, then I learn about ways in which, you know, the world is different for them and I might learn something about 
something that I never really even thought about before. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, this is KSFS Radio. I'm Gina Bellaria. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk with Malka and Palma of Civity um, about tonight's debate. Uh, not that we're going to jump too far into national politics, but we do see some of this gridlock at the national level, and um, maybe the Civity networks can filter up instead of trickle down in, in that way. But let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back on KSFS. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, (laughs) no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back to KSFS. This is Civity. I'm here with Malka Capel and Palma Strand from the organization Civity at civity.org. So Malka and Palma, we were talking before the break about relationships and seeing someone that you think is other is actually just different, that maybe you want to reach the same goals or find the same solutions, but you're not quite sure how to talk to each other. And as we know, we are seeing this kind of problem at uh, the national level. And so I want to play a clip uh, that was quite unexpected. A presidential candidate on the Republican side, Jeb Bush, appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And I want to play that clip and then uh, talk a little bit about it. Do you think that you could bring people together? Because everybody says they want to bring people together. But when you get down to the campaigning or get down to what passes for governing now, it often ends up being uh, just a game of blood sport. You, it know, is. you attack the other person and the other side can't possibly do, say, or have planned for anything good. So I'm going to say something uh, that's heretic, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't think Barack Obama has bad motives. I just think he's wrong on a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ascribe... Oh, you're so close to getting them to clap. <laughs> you were so close. You were this close. No, but look, you, this, you gotta pause. You gotta you pause start... till they clap and then hit them what they don't want to hear. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, that's no, hard. That's hard. If you start with the premise that people have good motives, because you can for, find common ground. Because even for though seven they don't years, agree. on the Republican side, there's been the, the emotional needle has been nailed. Bang! In one spot, Obama bad, you know, maybe not American. Obama and bad. And vice versa. And then, and then the Democrats have to argue like he's the best just to counter that emotional narrative that the Republicans have. You think you could change that sort of, the, the other side is the devil? Yeah, I do. Oh, and I'd I think, be glad I think, to hear that. And look, in state capitals all across Honestly, the country, I would love it. in state capitals, this doesn't happen to the same extent it does in Washington. Mm-hmm. In the mayor's offices, there are people that disagree with one another, and they're mm-hmm. allowed to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. You can be friends with people that, that you don't agree with on everything. I mean, we have to restore a degree of civility. Okay, great. So that was Jeb Bush on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, insisting that he doesn't think Obama is a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Just wrong. Um, Palma, uh, your your reaction to that and, and how civity might, you know, help maybe with some of the national issues we've got going on. Well, um, I, I guess I, 
I, I, I think there are two things that I would just highlight that I think are really civity related. One is I think I think yes, I think I think this does or can trickle up that that we you know in in local communities it's it's harder to kind of otherize or demonize the the people who are kind of on the other side of issues because you run into them uh, on the soccer field or at the grocery store or you know just um, you know out and about and and so it's like oh you know they're they're kind of a, a sense of they are actual people um, which kind of keeps you a little bit more grounded in 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 kind of being able to to, to look across those differences and work with people that's the one thing I would sort of say is I, I take a little objection to the word friends because we're really not necessarily talking about friendship here um, you know friends are when you have lots and lots of interactions and lots and lots of conversations and you do things together and you're you know you're closer and what we're really talking about is 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 a little bit less than that and maybe quite a bit less than that we're talking about just a kind of enough of a relationship to say I see you as as Malka says kind of a member of my community um, we're kind of in this together and and I acknowledge and respect you that's not the same thing as being friends and I think that that sometimes we're we're sort of it's like an all or nothing it's like I either have to be friends with somebody or it's like I don't really know you and what we're saying is no you can you can be this kind of fellow member of the community a fellow traveler if you were uh, but be very intentional about it Oh, I love the way you just said that, you know, because so often it's about, well, I've got to make this person my friend. That is the, my only choice. It's my only option or else I don't like them. And that there are so many nuances that we seem to overlook or forget about. I just, we're part of the same community and we're in this together. I love the way you phrased that. Um, and, and if we can just do that, and I don't know if it's lesser than, but I think maybe it's it's a nuance that maybe we can we can hold on to a little bit more easily than saying, oh my gosh, I've got to make that person my friend. Oi, Malka, you're... Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just more doable. Uh, and, and you can get, you can, you know, um, one of the ways we talk about it is like connecting people with, you know, that you have a friend, which is a six-ply friend, you know, uh, in, uh, uh, you have six connections to that friend, and if they're your best friend, they're a 12-ply friend. Um, but there are people that you know that are in your net who are in your networks who may be only one ply, and and because they are uh, somebody who just makes you a little, you don't pick up the phone, you don't think about them. And so it, the, the the magical thing is that if you if you add just a few more plies, maybe turn your one ply connection into a two or three ply. Uh, that can really make a big difference because of where you started, how different it is from where you started. And that's really the kind of connection that we're talking about, from one to two to three. You've mentioned, uh, you've mentioned things like education and, and I know housing and gentrification. Are there some specific things in those issues, those local issues that you think we can get at, or at least maybe that people have been buzzing about here in the Bay Area? Uh, I think uh, in the in the Bay Area, uh, you know, th I think the um, the uh, the divide between have have nots that have gotten a lot of publicity lately. I uh, th those translate into issues. Those translate into housing policy. Uh, they translate into uh, public education policy. Uh, and basically, it comes down to who can live here and what benefits do they get. And and uh, so if uh, if I'm here 
and I've got mine, uh, I'll be willing to share mine with people who are here too, um, but what, what hangs things up is who I define as here too, and that's what we're talking about, yeah. is, is, is enlarging the definition of, oh, uh, someone who lives in this neighborhood or this community you know, 15 minutes away is actually here too. And so when we're, when I'm talking about my public education system, I'm talking about my public education for my, for my kids and for their kids. Yeah, absolutely. The influence of corruption or money. I mean, sometimes even if we sit down and try to talk to someone, they might be influenced and it doesn't even have to be money, but maybe there's an influence there that's in the room that we don't know is in the room. Um, how might that impact civity or is this something that you think you can break through? Palma, I'm curious to know what you're thinking. Well, so so from a really global <clears throat> from a really global perspective, corruption and the kind of influence that you're talking about are related to a lack of of social trust. Um, you know, people don't trust their government because they know that people are you know kind of subject to influence. And you know, on the other hand, if you can build up social trust, which to a large extent, we think is relational. If you can build up social trust, then things like corruption, things like inequality, things like bad governance, um, th there starts to be kind of a virtuous cycle that, that goes in the other direction from the kind of vicious cycle, which is sort of the corruption, inequality, bad governance. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is kind of just to intervene at that, at that interpersonal level, which is where social trust is really one of the places that social trust is really grounded and say, you know, well, we're going to kind of do our bit here and everybody else can do their bit here to really kind of try to shift that, that cycle in a, in a more virtuous direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maka, anything you'd like to add? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think those are all good points. I, 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 think that, um, I think that money is also, in politics, is also... Um, it, it messes up the communication. So money is a way to get a lot of messages out. And if you're trying to have authentic communication about real things, about you know, uh, real problems and real ways to solve them, um, the more money there is, uh, the more that, um, that can confuse. Mm -hmm. uh, and often, unfortunately, uh, money in politics is used to confuse. Yeah, it, absolutely. But sometimes yeah. when, when you get someone down one-to-one -one and look them in the eye, it's difficult maybe to hold on to that money uh, influence and maybe start to talk one-on-one -on -one with each other, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Palma and Malka, I, uh, we've got a couple minutes left here, and I know that uh, you've been doing amazing work to get civity off the ground and going, and it's in a great direction. You even come up with a definition for civity. So, Palma, would you share that with everybody? I, I would love to. Thanks, Gina. Yeah, we, we have a word which we've been throwing around for a whole hour now, and you're like, so what does this word mean? So this is kind of how we're kind of thinking about civity, which is it's a culture, a culture of deliberately engaging in relationships that are about respect and empathy with people who, with others, people who are perceived to be different. So we're really looking for a cultural shift here. How many people have said to you, hey, it looks like your website's spelled wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and talk about autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're here with Malka Kapel and Palma Strand, and it's been an incredible conversation talking about civity, the idea of building relationships, as you just heard. Uh, if you are interested in learning more or becoming someone who can learn how to do a civity conversation in your community, you can go to civity.org. That is C-I-V-I-T-Y dot 
www.kcfs.org. My name is Gina Valeria. I am with KSFS Radio. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you again next week. Have a wonderful day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.